Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God for another day, uh, another study. Uh, we bless God. Thank you, everybody, for always tuning in. Uh, we do not take it for granted. Uh, so, uh, let's just go straight to it. Uh, we've got, this is uh, Revelations, uh, the, part, the third chapter, the third part, actually. And we're doing chapter three. Uh, of the book of Revelations. Um, for those of us who, who were with us last week, uh, you know that we started on the letters to the seven churches in Asia uh, last week. Um, so we, we took the first four churches, uh, four letters, I mean, the, the letters to the first four churches uh, last week. And um, you can just get a podcast of that uh, to get. So we talked about the Church of Ephesus, Church uh, of uh, Smyrna, Pergamum, Theatira. Uh, and um, Church of Ephesus was the Apostolic Church. Uh, in summary, the Church of uh, Smyrna was a persecuted church. And that was the church that um, Jesus couldn't find anything um, against. They were all perfect. Uh, the Church of Pergamum was indulged church, indulged church. And then the Church of Theatira is the pagan church. So today we're going to be looking at the Church of Sardis, the Church of Philadelphia, and then the Church of Laodicea. So those are the three uh, churches we'll be doing this week. Uh, before we go ahead, let's just say a word of prayers, uh, and then we, we go ahead. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for another time in your presence. We ask that you open our eyes and our hearts and let us understand the life behind these words in the name of Jesus. Please um, make us ready for your, for your coming. Make us a perfect church in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. So, yeah, let's, let's get going straight off. Um, chapter 3, uh, verse 1. So, uh, I, I'm going to be comparing uh, versions a lot. I'll be going through uh, from version to version, but uh, let's start with NLT. NLT, uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. Write this letter to the angel of the church of Sardis. This is the message from the one who has sevenfold spirit of God and seven stars. I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Okay, let's look at it. Um, seven, I told you that the book of Revelation is a book of sevens. You can never exhaust uh, uh, the, the, the number of sevens you have in this place. So um, we've talked about the sevenfold spirit of God uh, in chapter one. Uh, that was Isaiah 11, 2. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the of power, of might, of counsel, of sound mind, and of fear of the Lord. So those are the sevenfold spirits uh, of the Lord that Isaiah prophesied uh, about the Messiah. So um, now it says, uh, I know thy works. Uh, and this has been repeated several times that God knows what you do. God sees what you do. He knows your works. He sees your works. Um, so let's be encouraged. Uh, he sees what you are doing. Don't, don't give up. And if you're not doing well, he sees it as well. So I know your works. Now, I know that you have a reputation of being alive. 
and we are in a, in a world of reputations. We're in a world whereby we find validation in um, uh, how was the best way to what's the best word to use now. We we look for validation in having a reputation. We seek validation through social media, through number of likes, number of comments, number of views. Even though you know inwards that you are not there or you are not doing all these things, but you have a reputation. We 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 are more interested in a reputation of being right. So this church has a reputation of being alive, but they are dead. Now he has a couple of uh, let's go to verse two. A couple of of things that he said about the church. Now, wake up. Strengthen the little that remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. So it is not about the number of likes. It is not about the reputation before men. Do you meet the requirements of God? That is it. That is why they are dead. Not because of anything. Because they do not meet the requirements of God. They do not meet the things that God said they should do. The things that God has proposed for them to do. So, they have a reputation of being alive. But they are dead because they do not meet the requirements. Uh, KJV said, uh, For I have found, I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now we're going to look at uh, what being perfect before God means uh, in a bit, but that's just that's the reason why 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 this church why why Jesus said they are dead. Now look at it, verse three. Go back to what you've heard and believed at first. When we try to now, there's a there's a there's something that um, Pastor Esoladele always say, the president of Christ Apostolic Church. He says that um, methods may change, but the message remains the same. There's nothing absolutely wrong in modernization, in, in technology. For instance, a hundred years ago, even in the days of my grandfather, even possibly in the days of my father, we can't have a Bible study online. We can't, I can't be speaking to a device and it's transmitting all over the world. So there's nothing wrong in technology in, in itself. So what my, my parents used to do, they, they have to gather in a particular room and listen to the word of God. Technology has made us to change the method. The message is still the same, but we're using technology to to, to that to our advantage and, and taking it out. So I have absolutely nothing wrong in technology. I'm a tech-savvy person myself. However, when we try and twist the message, not, not because of modernization now, when we change the message to suit ourselves, to suit the congregation, to suit people, to do things, it's it that Jesus is asking us to go back to the things we heard at first, not necessarily go back to the methods we've been using at first, not necessarily saying that. Um, I remember when I was a child, uh, we used to do street evangelism and we go to a bus stop and we start uh, beating drums and doing things, calling attention, singing. Then someone will pick up the mic megaphone in those days uh, for the Sorosuke people they may not understand what the megaphone is but we put megaphone with batteries if you remember that and someone will preach and people give their life to Christ uh, in such a way but in a city like um, 
there are some other cities that these days you may not be able to do that again. In fact, some cities, if you do that, the police will arrest you for causing noise pollution. In some areas, in some residential areas, reserved areas, you may not even be able to put in. I remember in those days, uh, in our mother church, uh, the pastor of the church will put a speaker, all this Hawija speaker, this horn speaker, uh, on top of the church. The, the church always has, has to have picnic on top of the church outside so that the whole world uh, will be hearing uh, what the church, uh, what we are broadcasting. You cannot do that uh, in some areas these days uh, because of of how things have, have moved or not necessarily because they are clamping down on the gospel but because things have moved the methods have changed so if you have a church around such an area you shouldn't change your message or you can change your method so what the lord is calling them back to here is the message not the method not necessarily the method so we won't say because oh uh, we, we're no longer going out uh, in in a GRA for instance or uh, in a hundred percent residential area where the noise level has to be a particular uh, way and say because they are not going out to play drums and uh, and shout they are not doing the work of God no they may do this on social media they may have other things that they are doing methods are changing but the message is the same so that is what. Jesus is asking them to do here. Go back to the thing that you heard and received at first. Repent oh, and hold him firmly. Now I said, repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly as unexpected as a thief. So uh, the dead church even though they are dead, there's still, they're still a remnant. There's still a few people, a remnant uh, that is remaining. And that's something about God. No matter how bad a, 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 a people are, no matter how, how corrupt a generation is, he um, will always have his remnant. He will always have his people that will stand no matter what. And that is what we need to be. Uh, these days, uh, we need to be that remnant. It doesn't matter if others have have gone astray. It doesn't matter if whatever they've done. We need to be that remnant. Those remnants. Those small people. Uh, yes, verse four. Now, yes, there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now look at this. There are still some that have not sold their garments. So you may think that the world has, is so bad, the world is so corrupt. You may think that you're the only one. You may think that there's no other person. But there are still a few people and God sees everyone. So you may be in the, in the midst of corruption. You may be a, a civil servant or, or a businessman and it seems that everyone around you uh, uh, seems to be corrupt. The Bible is saying here that there's still a remnant. You and other people still exist in that circle, in that field, in that in that place. They have not sold their garments. They've not sold their garments with evil. They've not sold, they've not defiled their garments. The Bible says you will walk with Jesus. We will walk with Jesus in white because we are worthy. May he find us worthy in Jesus' name.
He who overcomes uh, will, like them, be dressed in white. For I will never blot out their name from the book of life, but I will acknowledge his name before my father and his angels. Okay, uh, let's just look at that, blotting out their names. NLT says, I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce it before my father and his angels. So let me just... Um, um, let me just 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 put uh, some academic or theological will in the clog now, uh, especially for the the things that we're used to. We're used to saying that the Lord will write uh, names when someone gives their life to Christ. The Lord will write their names in the book of life, and da da da. But the Bible never said, never never spoke about uh, Jesus or God writing people's name names in the book of life. Everywhere that the Bible talked about the book of life, it was always talking about either your name is present in the book of life or that Jesus will say, I will not erase your name from the book of life. The other part, we're still going to get there in the book of Revelation. It says some people didn't even have their names written at all in the book of life from the, before the foundation of the world. So the names don't get written in the book of life. They get erased. Now, how do I mean? Now, uh, uh, for those of us who grew up in church uh, as kids, you know that you probably uh, came out for altar call like a thousand times <laughs> before you finally decided that, don't worry, this final altar call is my final altar call. Uh, or, so we fall into sin. I mean, all of, nobody is, is, is perfect. Nobody is 100% righteous. We're all trying and striving to be perfect. So when you fall into sin or when you fall into error or when you are giving your life to Christ and going back, then come back to rededicate and go back and then come back again, does your name get written, blotted out, written, erased, written, erased, like uh, delete, control Z, delete, control Z, delete, control Z? No. Everybody's name starts in the book of life. Everyone born of a woman because of, of, of Jesus Christ, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he has given us all equal access to salvation. So everyone have their names written in the book of life. It is the state of your heart. It is the state of your position with God at death that determines if your name is erased from the book of life or is left in the book of life. So it doesn't get written. You give a, you gave your life to Christ today. Uh, your name is written in the book of life. Uh, you fall into sin tomorrow. Is erased from the book of life. You now, uh, after another two months or one month, you rededicate your life to Christ. Is written again. No, it doesn't work like that. So names are erased, blotted out of the book of life. Not written in the book of life when we repent or when we come to Christ. So everybody, including terrorists, including every human being, because Jesus didn't die for the people in the church alone. He died for all human race. So everyone have that equal opportunity, equal uh, 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 grace to be saved, equal. We're all equal before God. So it is when you now refuse to be saved at the point of death, or when you receive, when you when you are when you die in sin, that your name gets blotted out of the book of life. 
do your research, search through the scriptures, wherever the book of life was mentioned, it was always talking about from people's name being blotted out of the book of life. Uh, it's just a theological uh, exercise. Um, I mean, people who say your name is not written in the book of life, they, I mean, God knows, God understands uh, what they mean. Uh, it's all about communication. So that's just a theological exercise. So I, I need to put that out there. Uh, or let me use this. Um, uh, when Joseph, I mean, when Joshua uh, prayed that the sun should stand still uh, and the moon should also uh, stand still uh, until they finish the battle. If you're going to look at it uh, geographically or uh, using, uh, what's it called? the science of this world to look at it. Uh, you can't tell the sun to stand still or the moon to stand still. It's the earth that rotates around the sun <laughs> and revolves around the moon. And rotates, uh, it's the earth that rotates and revolves. It was actually the earth that stopped, not the sun or the moon. But he, said, he prayed that the sun should stop and the moon will stop. Either it's correct geographically or whatever. Something shall stop or something. God knows what the desires of his heart and he brought it to pass. So, yes, it was wrong geographically or scientifically, but God understood what he was asking for. So, people that say, your name is written in the book of life, it's not as if it's an error. Uh, I'm just putting it out there that this is actually what the Bible says. So, God understands what we mean when we say, when we use uh, phrases like that. Praise God. So, let's go. Verse 6. He was a near, let him hear what the spirit say to the churches so let's go to church in philadelphia so let's let, let's just summarize uh the church of sardis that's the dead church uh, god commended their works uh and the name that they had um so then um, the works are dead condemnation they, they are dead and the works are not complete uh, then um, God counseled them to watch, strengthen <coughs> the things that remain, and then remember to hold fast and repent. He who overcomes uh, wear white raiment, and their names will not be blotted out of the book of life. So that's just a summary of the Church of Sardis. So let's go to Church of Philadelphia quickly. Uh, church of Philadelphia, uh, write these things. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. When he opens, no one can shut, and when he closes, no one can open. I know thy works. Again, God knows your works. I can't get over this. I have said before thee an open door, opened, and no, and no one is able to shut it because. Thou hast little power. Thou, because, okay, let me use NLT. I have op I, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word and did not deny me. I mean, this is a church that will remain till rapture. This is the church that will be raptured. Even though you have little strength, people may not know that you, are, you have money. People may not see you as, oh, you are, you are, you are the boss. Even though you have little strength, yet you obeyed the word and you did not deny God. That is what God is looking for. And this is another church that had nothing against them. Let's let's go on verse 9. I will look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue 
those liars who say they are Jews but are not to come and bow down at your feet. They will not acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Look at this. People may be thinking, oh, they are the ones uh, close to God. They are the ones with uh, this and that. Uh, they will, they will, uh, they, they are closer to God. They put the Holy Spirit assistant, God, Jesus, and things like that. He's saying that those ones who think who are liars, they will come and bow before you. Now look at it. Look at this. They have little strength, but they place important on God's importance on God's word. Little strength, they take God's word as so so important, uh, and they've not denied Jesus as the Son of God. Uh, and God promises to keep this church. Okay, let's just go to verse ten, uh, because God God made a promise to them that He will keep them through this tribulation. Let's go there, verse ten. Because you have obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the old world to test those who belong to this world. So Jesus is saying that he will keep them from tribulation. Yes, this is the church that we get to the end time. This is the church that will... But Jesus is saying that it will keep them from tribulation. Okay. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. To him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write, he, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. The new Jerusalem, which come down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. Look at it here. This is, I mean, this got me excited. Like, God is going to brand us. He's going to tattoo us. Like, we're the brand God. The brand Jesus. Like, you know, people, people, people get excited when they wear designers. But God is, Jesus is telling us here that the brand we will wear is God. I will wear God as a brand. I will wear God as a brand. I will wear Jesus as a brand. Not Louis Vuitton. Not Calvin. I will wear God. On my, like God, will, he said, I will brand them. I will write my name on them. I will stamp my name on them. I mean, this is, this is, this is sweet for me. This is sweet for me. Uh, he, he was an ear letting me hear what the Spirit say to the church. So the church of Philadelphia is a church that we should be we should be like we should strive to be like the church of philadelphia let, let me just summarize it for us uh, the summary of the church of philadelphia that is the church that christ loved and that is the church that will retain that will that we i mean remain uh until the end time that's the church that will remain um so in summary uh, god says he knows their works uh and he commended on them on their works that they, they, their missions, they have little strength, they kept his word, and they've not denied his name. No single word of condemnation. Uh, they counsel them to hold fast to what they have. Uh, the Bible says, let he who think he stands take heed, lest he falls. So um, hold on to what you have. Don't let anybody take your crown. Uh, then 
challenges them that it will make us a pillar uh, in his house and then he will brand us God and brand us Jesus. Praise God. Okay, so let's go to the final church. Uh, we may stay a little bit on this one. The church of Laodicea. I mean, there are loads of lessons here. Okay, let me just read just a few verses, just 14 to 22. Read the whole um, eight verses, then we can dwell on it uh, for about 15 minutes there, about 10, 15 minutes. Okay, so, or depend, I, 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 may, be, I may be tempted to just... just uh, keep talking at it, about it as I read. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Laodicea. This is a message from the one who is Amen, the faithful and true witness. Uh, the beginning of God's new creation. Okay, uh, no, sorry. I, I thought I'll, I'll be able to read everything. Well, loads of things are jumping out there. Uh, there is there is this song uh, by a Nigerian musician, Antitopa Alabi. Uh, it's in Yoruba and it says God is Amen. See, there are some words that are deep. Trust me, that song is deep. Uh, he is Amen. And this the, the Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 says, From the one who is Amen. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, God is Amen, a faithful and true witness. Now look at the beginning of God's creation. <laughs> the source of creation. <laughs> the source. See, Jesus is the source of creation. And, and, and look at this one. Uh, uh, yeah, let's even look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. Uh, I love, if, you, if you've been following my teachings, you know I love the message translation of verse 3, Genesis 1 3. You know, in the beginning, uh, and all those things. Verse 3, KJV says, And God said, Let there be light. Message said, And God said, Light. And light appeared. And God said, Firmament. And firmament appears. Like, God just calls it and it comes. Calls it and it comes. The word is what God used in creating the world. The world and we know that Jesus is the word. Jesus is the force behind the creation. Now, is saying that he is the source here. He's saying that he is the beginning of God's creation. He's the source uh, of God's creation. I, mean, I love this young literal translation. says he is the chief of the creation of God. Now, the source of God's creation, the force, the power behind, uh, uh, the dunamis behind the creative power of God. Now, let's look at this. Science said something uh, that the world or the universe came into existence by a big bang, like there was just one big boom and everything came into existence. Yeah, let's look at it. They may be right. Uh, because what else will, produ will produce that kind of a big bang on an inexplainable theory, inexplainable force? Other than the word of God, that was that when God said light and big bang, boom, light appeared. Ha. Jesus is the force behind that creation. Jesus is that force in the world. Is the source. It's the beginning of God's creation. And see, I love the way Jesus eulogizes himself all through the book of Revelation. This is Jesus in glory. This is no longer the lamb. This is the lion in his full glory. He is amen. He is amen. 
amen to your heart desires, whatever you're trusting God for, his amen is the force, is the source behind creation. So whatever you want, even if you want a creative miracle, he is the force behind that. He is amen. Praise God. I know your works again. That you are neither hot nor cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Okay, what is lukewarmness? Uh, maybe we should stay there a little bit. Um, what is lukewarmness? Um, it doesn't matter uh, principle. Uh, God is not this hard now. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, we we kill God. We now send everybody to hell. Ah, all those people that are good. How will God send them to hell? All these things that are creeping into into our minds. Those things make us lukewarm. Uh, the things of God no longer appeal to us as it used to appeal to us. Lukewarmness. You're neither here nor there. Oh, I don't want them to know I'm a Christian at work. Or I don't want. Mm, mm. Oh my! I practice my Christianity. In my mm. now, please get. Don't get me wrong. It's not as if you should um, be rude uh, or get into people's space in quotes. But <coughs> I think where we get to places, they should know that we are Christians. For I don't think I. I know. Should know. They must know that we are Christians. Not that, oh, you help them to do what they are doing, then uh, uh, when we get to church, we'll, not, we'll be settling that in church. Uh, and we've heard several several kind of languages in church, which I don't even want to repeat here. But that's lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is not because we don't we stop coming to church activities. Yeah, that may be lukewarmness for some people, but I don't think that is the real depth of lukewarmness. Lukewarmness is when we start, when the things of God no longer appeal to us, when we can condone some things now, when things that that the places that we used to be, the the things we used to do uh, in terms of God's business, not necessarily activities now, but God's business, the passion we had for souls starts reducing. So this lukewarm church, let's see what we're saying. We'll speed them out of your mouth, but is mouth. But let's look at this. Let's look at this. Another sign of lukewarmness. You say. I am rich. I have everything. I don't want a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. All the versions I have here use those same exact five words. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Because they felt in their hearts, they have goods, they have worldly goods. Uh, we have a property, I have this, I have that. And they, they build their confidence in those things. I don't need God. What do I need God for? A, a colleague of mine and I were discussing today about some of these things. Uh, people just feel, oh, some people serve God because of material things. And so uh, people that have those material things, when they now get those materials, they just feel, oh, why do I need God? By the time the land starts reacting, the, the, the earth starts reacting, and it starts spewing people out. By the time the earth starts reacting, you'll be shocked by the time the earth starts reacting. So, when people just put their 
their heart or their trust in their material, the things they have gathered or they think they are rich. And God described them, they are wretched, they are miserable, they are poor, they are blind, and they are naked. What else is left in a man? If a man is wretched, is miserable, is poor, blind, and naked. Now, I'll come back to that because let me just read on uh, verse 18. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. <coughs> also, buy garments from me so you will not be ashamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you'll be able to see. I correct and discipline anyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and will share a meal together as friends. For those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne as just as I was victorious and I served my father on the throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Okay, so let's just, uh, I want us to take uh, some notes from, from that verse, um, uh, verse 18, uh, 19 thereabouts. Uh, so now, they, they, they were poor uh, and when they thought they were rich. They had no provision for their souls. Uh, so if you have, the uh, Bible says, well, what profits a man if he gains the world and loses soul? So even if you have all the riches of the world, the, finite, the, the earthly riches, and your soul, you have no provision for your soul. You are poor. You are a poor man. So the richness, the riches of Christ we're talking about is not about material things, cars, houses, and, 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 and whatnot. Is actually how rich, how how much of your soul is being fed. They were blind; they could not see their state. They could not see their danger. They were blind. They could not see uh, uh, Christ. They could not see the things that they needed to do. The Bible also said they were naked, without clothing, and without a house or for their soul. They were naked. Uh, they were without clothing. They had no justification. I would look at that nakedness in a bit, but no justification, no sanctification. So their soul was bare. They were naked. Um, number four. So uh, <coughs> the Bible says they should uh, uh, pull off their filthy rags because even our righteousness. The Bible says our own righteousness is like filthy rags. So. They, 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 they brought on they brought out their own righteousness I mean after all we've done this uh, after all we are we are uh, we are the ones that are there so when someone is is chlorine in his own righteousness you are naked because even the Bible says our even our own righteousness that righteousness that we claim we have is like filthy rags before God but what what did the Bible say what did God uh what did Christ counsel them to do first uh they might have all these things from him jesus told them to get all these things not from elsewhere not from any river not from a prophet they should get it from him now how must they have this gold and whatever they must buy it but now but you just said these people are poor 
how will you be asking them to buy gold from you? But they are poor, they are wretched, they are miserable. Now, what does that mean? Now, they must receive from Christ and they must put off their filthy rag. It must cost you something. This thing that you are buying from God is that you buy without money and without price, but you must part with something. It must cost you something. That is the payment. That is why when we say uh, 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 um, salvation is free, but it, it should cost you something. That's, that's the buying Christ is saying here. You must drop something. You must drop an habit. You must drop something for, for this. It should cost you something. You can't just get this and be living the way you've been living. So it must cost you something. Now, they must receive from Christ and they must put, they must not only put off their filthy rags, but they must, so that they can put on the white treatment which has been purchased and provided for them by, that is his own imputed righteousness. God's imputed righteousness. That is what Christ is interested in, not self-righteousness. Christ wants us to drop our self-righteousness and carry on his own imputed righteousness for justification and the garment of holiness and sanctification. So that is what uh, we must we must uh, uh, drop and uh, we must drop uh, our filthy garment and get those from Christ. Now they were blind. Uh, I'll just I'll be wrapping up here. They were blind, and God asked them to buy ointment for their eyes. Why? So that they might give up their own wisdom. They are only seeing from their these five senses highs. Give up your own wisdom and reasoning, which are but blindness in the things of God. Just put yourself, resign yourself to the word of God, to the spirit of God. Then your eyes will be able to be opened. And if someone is here, you are blind in your own righteousness, you've been wallowing in your own righteousness, buy gold from God. Buy ointment from God. You remove your own wisdom, your own earthly wisdom, and get on the wisdom of God. God bless you in Jesus' name. We're going to be wrapping up here today and uh, next week. Okay, let me just summarize um, the Church of Philadelphia. So uh, that's the lukewarm church um the church will also be here to your rapture and that church will face tribulation they will be here after rapture any lukewarm church will not go will not go with rapture uh not one word of commendation nothing <laughs> was commended about them uh their condemnation they are lukewarm they are wretched they're miserable poor blind and naked Cancel them to buy gold tried by fire and white raiment. Anoint their eyes and be zealous and repent. He who overcomes um, will grant to seat with Jesus on his throne. Do we have questions on Facebook uh, before we wrap up? Next week is going to be super, super exciting because if you remember, I told you that uh, 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 the book of Revelation is divided into three parts. Things that happened before John, that were, uh, before uh, uh, John was writing, things that were, things that are during John's days, the letters to the seven churches. And in fact, that's the most important to us now in this book because it is these things that we need to take care of so that we can be prepared to, to meet the Lord in the air at rapture. So we just finished the things that were happening 
in the days of John. Now we're about to look at the things that will happen after uh, Metatwata. Uh, uh, we'll look at that next week, anyways. We'll look at the meaning of that. There, what happens thereafter. So from next week, we'll be looking at what will happen after. Most of the things that we're going to be looking at next week, we will not experience them because we will have gone with the rapture. So verse chapters 2 and 3 are the most important in the book of Revelation to any Christian. From chapter 4 to 22, we're just looking at what, how the earth will be, the uh, apocalypse, uh, ap apocalyptic event, the things that will happen uh, after rapture. And you and I will not miss rapture in Jesus' name. Amen. So in the absence of any question, uh, we'll see you next week. Please, you want to invite your friends to be part of this next week. It's going to be really, really interesting. So please feel free to also share uh, this video and the podcast with your friends and family and uh, your church members. It will help them. Thank you very much. And for your feedbacks, thank you so much. So let's just say a word of prayers as we close tonight. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the way you've helped us. Thank you for the way you've dealt with us this evening. We ask, Lord, that where we've been lukewarm, where we've been dead, where we've been indulged, uh, Father, Lord, we ask that we, we, we realize our mistakes and we run back to you. We ask that you please purify our hearts, Lord. Make us ready. Make us whole. Make us ready. Make us overcome. That at the end of the day, Lord, we will reign with you forever. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we've prayed. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Goodbye.